Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. Uh, welcome to Startup Business Q&A episode 170, week 170. Uh, good to be here. Uh, some of you um, are aware that we have daylight saving here in the UK, so the um, the clocks went back uh, at the weekend. Um, so I got a couple of perplexed people sending messages earlier saying, Richard, where's your live stream, man? Are you dropping the ball here? And it's, uh, it's simply because, uh, because of the clock change. So it is 1pm here in the UK. Uh, elsewhere, it may not be uh, the time shift that uh, we're experiencing as well. So Hopefully you can still watch this, and I believe if this is the case, that it means for those in the States, for instance, this is one hour later, so it probably is 9 a.m. in the U.S. Uh, East Coast, and that means uh, something like, uh, what, 6 a.m. on the West Coast, so potentially good uh, that uh, you lot can actually watch it uh, if you're unable to normally, you're typically tucked up in bed, I don't know. But look, thank you so much everyone watching on Instagram, on Facebook, and uh, also live on uh, LinkedIn right now as well. It's great to see you all here. We are covering time management and also priorities today in this live stream. So if you have any questions on this topic, do let me know and uh, pop them in the comments and we'll handle them. Also, um, we'll be doing a, um, uh, a couple of notices because there's some rather exciting things happening this week um, in the events world. I feel like each week, Pretty much each week there is a notification about Entrepreneur Business Live. And that's because we're doing that many events at the moment. It, we're averaging about two events a month. And um, I can't see how we'll be doing less in 2020 because there's such an amazing appetite for people to actually run them. So Wednesday, this week is Entrepreneur Business Live San Francisco. I'm so excited about this one on community building with... Jonathan Javier, who is going to be um, uh, hosting it, he will be speaking as well. He's ex-Snapchat, was Google, he's now over at Cisco and works with st sales strategy there. Um, three times LinkedIn top voice, Natalie Rizzo, with like half a million followers on LinkedIn. And uh, Mr. Future of Work himself, uh, Tim Salal, the, uh, the global evangelist for um, for WeWork. So three amazing speakers there. Do you want to say hi to everyone? So hi, Pervy, Sonia Darve, good to see you here on Facebook, Christine Robinson um, from New Jersey is out uh, in uh, Instagram. Did you like my accent? I've been watching The Sopranos again uh, uh, with my wife uh, recently, so we're enjoying that. Uh, I'm, I'm crap at accent. Um, and also, uh, so uh, Fatty Papicha 44, Nicole Ponseca as well, Handsome 30. Oh my goodness, some of the names are insane and hard to read. But a lot of you great names, uh, people over on Instagram, nice to see you here. And on, and on uh, LinkedIn as well, great to see you here too. Thank you very much. Let me know, as always, if you're watching live, put in the comments right now, hashtag team live, and where you're watching from. And of course, if you're watching the, on the replay, hashtag team replay and where you're watching from. So thank you in advance, those who are listening to the podcast. Uh, you can listen on Spotify, iTunes and all the rest of it, or you can go to therichardmore.com and catch the podcast there. Uh, and those of you watching the replay on Instagram, of course, this isn't last forever if you do it on stories. So it's on Instagram through IGTV uh, channel there as well. Thank you in advance, those who are watching it. Let's get some questions going. So if you have any questions, pop them in the comments uh, on time management and priorities. It feels like it's an hour later for everyone. It's not. 
it's just because the out the the clocks went back uh, <laughs> uh, last last uh, the weekend. Uh, so we we've actually had a nice uh, extra bit of time uh, to kind of get you guys out of bed, so you probably can watch it today. Let's go into the first question: Jedi Hill, whose uh, whose suggestion won the vote. So he this is his topic in essence. Uh, every Saturday uh, in fa on Facebook where you can watch the live streams of the Entrepreneur Business uh, Live events uh, on the Entrepreneur Business Group. Uh, I put to a poll, you know, what is it you want to have as your topic? And it uh, and the number one suggestion with the most votes is the one that won, and that was Jedi Hills, so pretty much the best name in the world, as I've said many times before. Jedi, you ask, one question is, how do you prioritise your to-do or must-do list? Which activities do you feel are working on growing your business instead of being absorbed by the business? So I have an approach here that for some of you who have been watching for enough time, and 170 weeks is uh, getting on for three and a half years of consecutive uh, um, live shows every week. But those of you watching in the past will know about my CEL approach. And I've done a number of posts on this before. And this is where I really feel I get my priorities right, Jedi. The CEL approach is simple. That The C stands for um, tasks that are customer and client relations uh, or, or engagement and acquisition related. So engaging with clients or potential customers for basically inbound cash, cash, cash basically for the business. So it's very essential to make sure I put those um, task at the front of my day. If I start the day with admin, I often get bogged down it and get to a point where I don't actually have the opportunity to do these um, progress inducing ta um, tasks. And so it's essential to make sure that I do customer acquisition and cash flow related um, uh, tasks first. So if there's an opportunity to onboard someone, that needs to be happening at the start of the day. It means that when I'm successful with those, I'm teeing up a really great day. If I don't get through my, all my admin, well, at least I've brought new customers on board. And think about it. If you run out of time, what ball would you rather drop? Your admin or your new customers? It's amazing that most people tend to drop the ball of their new customer acquisition more than with their admin, which is crazy. Like, I would rather not fill in my, my accounts way more than not get new customers on board. If you're going to have to rush or catch up with something, let that be the admin side, polishing your spreadsheets, doing that little tiny tweak to your website, all the little, all those fluffy things, let them be the things you drop and focus instead on the customer acquisition. So that's my first type of task. That's how I prioritize it, Jedi. Those ones come first, the C of CEL. E is essential. That's, that's like hair is on fire. You need to get it done now. That's if there was um, submitting something to, just to keep the theme, something, submitting something to my accountant by, you know, by the end of the week because it will incur a fine unless I provide that information. So that's now essential. That comes after the customer acquisition stuff. Um, fulfillment and deadlines, basically, for existing clients, they come in there as well. And so I place new customer acquisition ahead of then existing customers. It doesn't mean I don't care about new customers, but I'm always adding, and then I have the new cust then I have the existing customer work. They come straight after each other. It's a very close second, those essential tasks. And then the third level of tasks is, should I have any time over 
then it is lines of work and lines of focus. Line of work is generally speaking the line of work I'm in, tasks related to that. Anything else is a line of focus. So focus right now within my line of work, those things will, will go in third. Now, if I don't get round to stuff, then it's fine because you never will. But the, the way I work with this is on the basis that if something gets left, it doesn't matter until it matters so much, it becomes an essential task. So then it moves to the E section. Got it? So if there's something that, you know, if I, you know, if I happen to keep it on that theme again, if I, if I have to do something to do with my accounts in four months, just, uh, you know, it might not get done that day because there's other things in place. When it gets a bit more urgent, then I would slot it in. Or if I create time, then it comes next. Anything outside of CELL, so customer acquisition and cash, absolutely essential tasks or um, lines of work and lines of focus just doesn't get added. And if, it, if I have the spare time, well then fine, it gets added. But otherwise, it, I let it progress itself to, uh, to an essential task and then it gets done, okay? You have to learn how to decide which things to drop. And also when to, do, when to do it each day, when are you at your best? You need to know yourself quite well in that respect. Um, I take the opinion, uh, a similar one, I've read about this, is something that, that Jeff Bezos does at Amazon as well. Really simply what he does is he says to himself, when am I at my cerebrally most capable? When is my brain able to fire the best? And that is at a certain time of day. So like 10 till 12 p.m. in the afternoon. So 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's when I get those tasks done. It's as simple as that. Middle of the night, sure, there might be some things that need doing, but you've got to decide what you're doing, okay, and, and when. Uh, Nicole uh, Ponseca over on the Instagram feed said, uh, do you keep a running list? You're in from New York. I think you said you're in from New York. Yes, from New York. Um, do I keep a running list? Yes, I do. It's called a when to do list. I'm going to come back to that in a sec because I know someone's asked a question about it. I do keep a list. I actually have a, a board to the side here and I write them down. It's nice to cross stuff off as you, as you go because sense of momentum or progress always works in the day. Productivity is always high, but against the right kind of task. That's a really good question. Uh, hi there, Royal Fables. Nice to see you. Vicky Utting, good to see you watching as well. Uh, from my hometown, uh, Reese B eight two eight six, catchy name. Nice to see you watching as well. Uh, SS Wedding Mandaps, and I see you here as well. Uh, let's see if uh, who's watching over on um, on LinkedIn. I think we've been live there for a bit. Should be someone. Uh, should be people there live as well. I will check when that decides to update itself. Next question. And Sushi Despandit from over in Singapore. You're a shining light, Richard. More team live. Thank you very much, uh, and good to see you as well, Steve Hotson. Next question, Daniel Nunes, who's been watching since word go, I think, with this. If time permits, I would like to you to ask, uh, I'd like to ask you to recap the use of hashtags in creating a list of targeted leads. This is kind of good, kind of relevant <laughs> to time management. It's not really, uh, but it's kind of relevant in that it uh, is about saving time in building a list of targeted leads. Let's take LinkedIn, because it's a really good place to do this. The way I do it, Daniel, is I want to draw the right people in to my uh, profile, to look at my profile. That level of curiosity is enough of a display of intent that should I be looking for warm leads, they're people I might want to target. And of course with LinkedIn, you can see who has been looking at your profile. Now, the way to do this is to make sure you're sending out enough pure signal, so quality content on a particular topic area, sufficiently regularly, 
for a sufficient amount, you know, amount of time to target certain people. So if you look at my LinkedIn, all, at least once a week, I will be trending on particular hashtags. So the most recent one, I think two days ago, I was trending on the hashtag work. Uh, it's usually hashtag sales, hashtag engagement, things like that, all related to the work I do and the things I want people to pay me for. So what I do a lot of is making sure I'm sticking to these kind of hashtags. I'm not going too off-piste and changing the hashtags all the time. I operate in the same kind of space uh, as those hashtags. So if I keep doing that, over time I get recognized as the person for that thing. And those that follow those hashtags, who represent you know, an audience within the ecosystem that I'm trying to target for engagement, um, they will start coming across my hashtag related content more and more. So what's exciting about that is if you nail the content with the right hashtag, so for instance, hashtag sales, and think how competitive that, ha think about how competitive that hashtag is on Instagram or on YouTube. You just, you almost wouldn't put it in because it's so absurdly competitive, you would never get any, you're not, you're not gonna trend for the hashtag sales on Instagram or, or YouTube as much because there are other big accounts that, that do far better with it. On LinkedIn, that's possible. That's what's so crazy about it. On LinkedIn, it's possible because there is so much uh, bandwidth for so few people. So what I'm doing is I'm putting out hashtags against content, sticking with the same kind of pool of hashtags, and then those map to the kind of people I, I'm trying to target. When I get it right, I know, because sure, it then trends, but also I then see the right people coming through and checking out the content. Uh, oh, sorry, checking out my profile, because when I click on who's looked at your profile, I can see right there. I can see right there the people who have been, who are, are, are interested in me. When I look at my posts and the analytics and the insights, which you should be doing if you really want to do this properly, I can see the kind of job titles. They're in sales, they're in marketing, they're directors in those kind of roles, for instance. I can see the regions and, and the kind of companies that I'm trying to target are absolutely spot on. So I'm using these hashtags, Daniel, and I, cr I can create a list of targeted leads by looking through who has decided to select themselves and convert themselves through to then checking my profile. If you work on the basis that 1% of those that view your content will actually take an action, so a like, possibly even a share or a comment or jump into looking at your profile, even looking at your profile is a display of some level of interest. So you shouldn't overlook this especially if you're starting out, they're easy, warm leads. This is someone who has, again, who has self-selected and said, hey, this content's really good. I'm going to click on the person, on Richard Moore, and check out a bit more about them because actually this person has created sufficient intrigue. Now, it might, not, might, sorry, it might, be for, for, um, it might be for negative reasons. It might be like, who's this idiot? Who is this idiot posting this rubbish? Because humans are like that. If they think someone's an idiot, they will do a stalk just as much as they think they're a great person, whatever. But the point is, if you get it right, if you get the right kind of job titles and the content for them, so if you fish, if you like, with the right kind of gravity that draws them in, they will decide to click on your profile. It's laughable that people say they don't have leads when you've got all these people checking out your profile. And you can see who they are. You can see their job titles and so on. 
it's just gold right there. So that's your in. Thanks so much for checking out the profile. Did you have, did you, was it from a piece of content? How did you find me, whatever? And you're away. A really great way of finding leads, Daniel, is doing it that way. You don't have to wait for someone to send you an inbound direct message saying, hey, I love your content. I've sold myself on you and I think we should talk. You know, that's waiting for too much gold. You'll get them and after a while you start getting loads. But really important is to look at the smaller seeds of interest. A like, sure, but a view of your profile is actually a really big deal. It represents someone's level of interest, okay? Uh, Ian Tisker, good to see you watching live on uh, Facebook. Ginny LaMarie as well. Team UK watching uh, via Facebook too. Caroline Rankowski over in Florida. Have to re-watch later. You'll be hashtag team live then. Cynthia uh, Zodo, I saw you of course in Milan and good to connect on uh, Facebook last night. Nice to see you here. Steve Hodson as well. Uh, Marvellous to see all you lots on uh, on. The Facebook live stream. Let's have a look at the next question. So hopefully, Daniel, that that makes sense. That's what I would be doing. I'm looking, I'm mapping it, who mapping to who's viewing my profile because that's a really good display of interest. You've actually asked a second question. I'd also like to ask you about creating a first movers type of incentive to inspire action now conversions versus I'll think about it type conversations. There's nothing to do with time management, Daniel. <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> um, so look, this is about urgency. You need time sensitivity. Um, there, is, there are three little questions that you need to be answering on behalf of the people consuming your content to get them to engage now and, and in, no, to be compelled by it. You always should ask, answer the question, why me? So you're, you're making content that's tailored to that kind of person, that particular person. Answer, um, con answer the question as well, uh, uh, why change? So why they should do something different. Why they should actually write something. Why they should actually engage with your call to action, whatever it is. But the third one that people overlook, as well as those two, is they need to be adding, you need to be adding or answering the question, why now? Okay, so for instance, a simple example is on a Saturday. I say, on Monday, there will be the live Q&A show here, okay? Which topic would you like to have covered on the show? And what it does is it, you know, it allows me to create a question to in, ask people to engage, but what I'm, I'm doing is clearly making, making clear that, that there's a why now question that needs to be answered. You know, you, you need to do it now, otherwise it'll be too late. No one ever answers those posts after the Monday Q&A, because that would just be absurd. So you have to create that sense of urgency. To inspire an action now conversion, you need to give a reason why they need to do it now. So you add that urgency. But the tip with urgency is that you should add a business reason for it. If you don't add the business reason, it doesn't legitimize or validate that urgency that you're sewing in to your, to your piece of content, okay? So if you want to drive a conversion as a conversion on a call to action, uh, Daniel, you need to add the reason why they should do it now. That's where you get creative. Um, uh, hi, Brian Shulman, I see you watching from LA, possibly, or unless you're over in Australia still. Uh, Cynthia Zodo is watching from Milan, probably. Uh, no, you're not, you're somewhere in Italy, I can't remember where it was, you told me though. Uh, and uh, people watching on Instagram, official Ellis, Samsan61081, Dev Gadvi10x, 
<laughs> thank you very much. And Nicole Ponseco, thank you, my first watch. Glad you're here. Thank you very much. Uh, and Alan Gold 81, as well as Space Nizom, well, I think I know who that is, and Tomo.hira. Great names on Instagram. So, so the, the, the key here is, is, Daniel, to make sure that you're adding, uh, answering the question, why now? Why they should do it now by putting some urgency in there. That creates some marvellous tension, as well as the excitement of your posting itself. That creates the novelty, as they say. But you need to have the tension as well. The why now is essential. Um, let's get back onto time management and priorities. Uh, really important. Just before I do, to remind you, on Wednesday this week, at 6 p.m. West Coast time, so Pacific time, will be Entrepreneur Business Live San Francisco. Tim Salau, Natalie Rizzo, and Jonathan Javier will be speaking on community building. These guys are best in business at this. It's a guy who's the global evangelist for, for WeWork, three times LinkedIn um, top voice, and uh, someone who's worked with the, the likes of Snapchat and Google, these people who understand community building. So if you can't make it, it's cool. It's not cool if you live in San Francisco, but it's cool if you can make it, if you can't make it because you can watch it on Facebook. You search for groups named Entrepreneur Business Group. I have the URL, facebook.com slash group slash Entrepreneur Business Group, and you can join and watch the live stream of the three speakers for free from 6 p.m. local time on Wednesday this week in San Francisco. Next week, however, is the final London Entrepreneur Business Live of the year. I will be there. It's not the final one ever. Some people are like, what are you closing it off? No, last one of the year. This is our ninth London event. It's crazy. <laughs> and uh, um, Tracy Livingston, John, uh, Livingston Howard will be speaking. She's a, a conflict resolution coach. This is about communication. I will be speaking as well on communication uh, uh, in social. And we'll have George Hughes, ex-BBC, uh, and the managing director and founder of Small Films, uh, if Small Films in the UK, uh, which is a video production business. Uh, he'll be speaking about leveraging video for communication. Join us there in London on the 6th of November as well. Two weeks after that, we've got LA, run by Patrick Ward, my man, over in LA, uh, on the, uh, what on earth is the date? It will be either 20-something, 21st, <laughs> um, and Ottawa on the 5th of um, December to, to close out the year. So I'm excited about that. Enough notices. Let's go on to the next question. Ian Tisker. Richard, how do you avoid taking on too many tasks or do you feel there isn't too much you can take on? I um, do feel, and this is a difficult answer to be practical with, I do feel that after a while you get a sense of yourself, okay? If you are genuinely keen on your, your, your world that you're in, inhabit and you spend enough time therefore in it, after a while you know what your limits are. You just know, just like with your body, you know when you've pushed it too far and you do get to learn that in my opinion. So I can tell if there's too much I, you know, I can't take any more on, I could just get that vibe, but that's not particularly practical. Um, how do I take, avoid taking on too many tasks? I need to make sure that I'm not leaving something that needs needs my attention basically um it's the same with business building i have lots of wonderful new things i want to do but i don't allow those things to happen until the thing in front of me is at least has at least got strong momentum i wouldn't start a new thing 
uh, whilst this year, whilst Entrepreneur Business Live was growing, until I was certain Entrepreneur Business Live was growing the right kind of momentum. I have a brand new proposition that will be coming out next year in in best part of a year from now it will be so it will be in after the summer 2020 a new event proposition i'm building and there's no way that will see the light of day unless i'm sure that entrepreneur business live events uh, are fine and that my consultancy is fine i'm the last person to jump at shiny new object syndrome i'm, I'm aware of these shiny new things out there and great ideas i might come up with that creativity has to be written down and remembered but it doesn't get any of my bandwidth unless the stuff in front of me is moving so i'm very stoic with that kind of thing i'm very like oh i will wait um because it is better to complete what's in front of you rather than jump at the next exciting thing because you end up never getting anything working. You, you enjoy that first five minutes of exciting thrill of starting something new, but there's never any follow through. So I'd like to think I'm, I'm seen as someone who's consistent. Look, I mean, this is, this is week 170 of this live show, for example. So sticking at things, I would never add something new unless I'm sure I can handle it, specifically because everything in front of me is working well. And that goes all the way down to the micro level. I mean, I'm speaking macro there, Ian, but I'm going down to the micro level, okay, uh, with tasks as well. Do I feel I've taken on too much? And the, the thing to remember with building your task list for the day is it tends to be less is more, um, you know, three strong wins for the day, seasoned with plenty of other little tasks just to kind of keep things moving three strong wins for the day they're far more effective because it gives me my focus i can really double down on them rather than trying to do eight things well done for your ambition if you're trying to be a superhero but sometimes you're not going to get that right that cel approach does work really well so i hope that helps a bit um let's go on to um cole kai lenz from switzerland met him in milan recently great guy i was on his podcast and I think next week, uh, maybe this week, I think next week will be uh, the release of that episode. So I'm excited to share that. We talked a lot about sales and, of course, LinkedIn as well, um, which was good fun. He asks, uh, so Joel asked, Richard, how do you schedule or prioritize your day? Do you have a system, just your mindset on how you actually map out your day uh, and what, or, or, or task? What is your mindset on that? So my thing, many of you heard this before, but my approach is I use the when to do list. So instead of a to-do list, which is uh, an ideal list of everything you need doing, it's a, it is a when to-do list. If you mesh that with the CEL approach I explained for Jedi Hill's answer a little earlier, you're in a wonderful place because I have customer acquisition and cash flow related tasks first. Then second straight after is essential mission critical stuff. Then I have lines of focus and lines of work. And thereafter, I wouldn't have time for anything else. And often I will plug in family, for instance. Um, the when to do list concept is I write the list of things I need to do. And then I assign those things a time, not a duration, not give this 10 minutes, give this 30 minutes. It's a time of day against the clock when I will actually do it. So for in, and when I write out my to-do list, I start the to-do list, I start executing it as I'm building the to-do list, okay? So what that means is the first task on my to-do, when to-do list is always the current time. So if it is 8.11 a.m., it will be 8.11 when to-do list. 
8.14, because I know it takes me three minutes to do the when to do list, next task, whatever that might be, handle this, okay? And, and after a while, doing this every single day, it doesn't take you long, it takes you about a month, you get really good at knowing how much time you need. You have a sense, I was speaking to someone about this last week, you have a sense of how long stuff tends to take you and how regularly you're interrupted. I tend to not be interrupted. I, I, I try and spend a couple of days a week at least here in my home office because I know I cannot be interrupted at all. The, the family knows, leave him alone <laughs> when I'm in here and the door's shut. And so those moments, I know I can, I can keep it extra tight and I can work task to task to task. If I was in an office uh, that was open plan, I would need to build in some redundancy, perhaps five minutes here or there, that allows me, okay, to, um, it allows me to, to absorb those irritating moments when someone jumps in and, uh, and wants to ask me something. So that's essential. I do that because, um, uh, I want to get the tasks done, but I recognize life can happen a bit as well. So the when to do this is everything for the session. Now the session, I have 10 sessions in my week, Monday to Friday. I have a morning and an afternoon each day. What I don't do is plan the entire day. I plan the morning. And then when I've done the morning, my last task will be, you know, 12.15 eat. And then after that, I'll have like a list of notionally things I need to remember to do to add the first task of the afternoon when I've finished eating. And I usually set myself a time. I could be like 12, 15, eat, 1 p.m., start when to do this. And at 1 p.m., there'll be the when to do this for that second session for the afternoon. So I don't plan too far ahead. There's no need because I don't know how the day will go. It might be some curveballs. And I need to make sure I'm focused right on the thing in front of me. That when to do list has evolved a bit. But what it really does is gamify my day. And it creates these wonderful challenges where I have in front of me um, people, it's hilarious. People say, don't watch the clock. Sure, don't watch the clock if you don't want to be there, if you want to leave, but do watch the clock if you're gaming the day and really trying to charge at it. It's not about getting tasks done so much as getting them done in, in, in the right amount of time. It keeps me focused and keeps me working at pace. Um, because otherwise, as you know, if you have a four hour window to do a task, you'll take four hours. If you have a two hour window, you'll take two hours. So you give yourself the time you really need and you can stick at it. Um, and it's really interesting because it's about nailing the next task, nailing the next task, you know, having that fun challenge in your head of, I've got 13 minutes left to finish this before I can move on to the next thing and I need to move on then. And it's like, come on, let's finish this thing up because I'm moving on to the next task. Having that kind of approach is great for me. It really keeps me focused and the productivity is insanity. It's just crazy. I get so much done. What I really like about it, I've said this before, what I really like about it is knowing at say eight in the morning that by 12 o'clock, I will have all these things done. And I promise if you don't plan a day like this, you just will feel a bit resentful that you maybe not been as focused as you could. What I really love is that once it's done, I jump in and I'm in the slipstream and I don't care how I feel that day. I doesn't care if I'm motivated or not. Just doing it because that's my, I'm accountable to that list. The tasks are laid out. It's just paint by numbers here. So it's just nice because I feel like I'm making so much progress because I actually am. 
Now, part of that list um, is uh, is obviously the tasks related to the CEL approach, but other things in there, such as make a coffee, and like I said earlier, like eat, they are there too. They're there too, and they're really important because otherwise that stuff doesn't get done. If it's going to happen in your day, it needs to be in the list. Same as if it's gonna happen this month, it needs to be in my calendar, simple as that. So that's how I do it, uh, Joel. Uh, and same for a task, I will break it down. If I've got a big task, like if I've got to write a big report or write an article or something, I will just make sure I, I do a little bit on it. And one little tip for these lists, by the way, is if you have a big hour-long task, whatever it might be, try and break it up. You're just gonna, like, your brain will focus for 20 minutes, then you'll wanna do something else. So if I have an hour-long task, if I can, even if I'm getting into flow a bit, I tend to find, I, I personally, you have to experiment yourselves, I personally work better if I break it up. So I might do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon, and then the final 20 minutes the next morning, just to keep the variety going. So the you're always moving to the next thing, keeps things very interesting. If you really need to knuckle down on it, then of course you do. But keeping that variety going means you skip your way through the day, so much gets done, and you really enjoy that kind of, as I say, that sense of variety. That's uh, so a great question, Joel, thank you for that. And D William Darnell Simmons, let's finish on this one. Um, what process do you use to balance work and family life? Well, actually, I uh, kind of just described it, I book it in. So the when to do list will include having breakfast with my girls, for instance. So, you know, if they need to go to school and I'm part of that process, which I am if I'm here, then that is in that list. OK, if I'm going to have a, a, a coffee with family, that will be in the list. And it might seem robotic or not very romantic or spontaneous, but that's how it gets done. So, there's no, so the balance of work and family life is scheduled. And that's how I make sure I get the, I actually do it by um, plugging it into the day. Just as important and mandatory as a business meeting where I'm closing a deal is having a coffee with my wife or having, uh, doing bath time with my girls, or making sure I finish that last task at 4.45 so I can go downstairs and have dinner with them, right? So that kind of thing is important. What I also do uh, is I, I balance the size of tasks, so I won't have loads of big things together. I'll have a big task and some little ones, and a big task and some little ones, just to kind of keep the variety. I really find that keeps the, the kind of the, the brain going. I'm in flow insofar as doing the productivity and, and having productivity rather than doing the tasks, but I do find that switching up to different things is, is very stimulating. So that's how I handle it. I, it. I mean, if there's family life and things, it has to be in the calendar, just like a meeting, otherwise it just gets overlooked. Okay, that's a really good question, William, but, but schedule it, schedule it in. If there's, I mean, last week, for example, my children both had parents' evening, which is when I go to the school and hear how they're doing. Uh, they did marvellously. And um, both, both of them had their, you know, their, their parents' evening in the middle of the afternoon because it's straight after school. So it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And that's scheduled in. But you think, well, you should, right? Because that's, that's an important thing for, for school. Sure, but that's just as important as, as, for me, just as important as having breakfast with them. So that is almost like it's a scheduled meeting as well. Just a great way of doing it. And that's how I balance the two. I also, I, I schedule when I'm going to finish that last task so I know to down tools at this time so I can say to those it matters to, here's when I'll be done today. And then I'm done. 
and then I go on to the next thing. And it means that there's little stress because I know what stuff's over horizon. Okay, great, great question. Thank you for that, William. Uh, Ian's added in Tisco on Facebook, how do you not let quality fall off as you rush, rush a task through the timeline? That is my intuition, Ian, and uh, it uh, maps to how long I give the task. If I'm going to do an Instagram post, as an example, why not? Um, then an Instagram post takes 40 seconds, image, text, hashtags, you know, copy and paste that in, tag the people, add the location, chuck in a cheeky GIF, add a filter, post, distribute. 40 seconds, not long, but the creativity behind that might take longer. So it might be that I'm, I'm pushing myself and rushing through it, but I'm giving myself 10 minutes for that. Because I have a sense of what I'm going to do, but I want to get let make sure I've got allow the kind of the creativity to blossom, right? So, in order to not be slapdash, because the aim isn't to complete the list, or, you know, or, or I mean I will, but the aim is to do a good job, and if that requires therefore less tasks, but each task is not bloated, but given a bit of extra time so I can make sure I have the quality in there, then that's what matters. Very hard to do on the first day, but after a while you get a really set, real good sense of it. You know, if I'm going to prepare, for instance, for a client I've got tomorrow, I'm going to London, um, to prepare for them, I know how long that takes. I can prepare probably in half an hour, but I, I would rather take more time, and I know how long that will take to prepare for the kind of day I've got, because that way I know I've got the time I need. I get an earlier train into London than I need to, for instance, for my clients, because I always want to have an hour before to look over my notes and prepare for certain meetings. I always do that. So it means that I'm rushing in the sense I'm, I'm, I'm tight with my day, but what I am doing is get, delivering quality each time because it has sufficient amount of um, bandwidth from my, sh from my clock <laughs> to make sure that I actually hit the, hit the nail on the head and get get that that task done hope that makes sense so so i'm racing through the day it's gamified i'm always nailing that next uh that next task and so on but what i'm not doing is trying to just do as much as possible because i don't want to flex about being busy i would rather get stuff done correctly so quality comes through knowing how much time to really give something Again, a cup of tea takes three minutes to make, but you're not gonna make a three minute cup of tea, you wanna make an eight minute cup of tea because then you actually get you get to enjoy just that two minutes of downtime as well. Part of making a cup of tea is a bit of time out, for instance. So the quality in that task comes from just building in a couple of extra minutes, get it? So that's, that's the way it works. This has been six questions. I could nail them super fast in, in like nine minutes. Right, first question is this, now the answer, got it, next one. And I don't have to give so much flavor around, but to give quality, the six to eight questions, uh, usually I have eight questions on average on these live shows. I, I select an hour from 1 p.m. till 2 p.m. to do the Q&A show. That allows me to be anecdotal, to draw in examples, to work with the fact that I'm gonna have people to interface with on, on the live stream as well. And by doing it that way, I'm in a far better place because I deliver quality and it's also scheduled in, if that makes sense. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for watching. I don't know what happened with, with LinkedIn. Apparently, it's live. It's probably doing a tech thing again, but there we are. Thank you so much for watching, uh, Ian. Good to see you, Laura, as well. Thank you, everyone, who's watching on Facebook. Uh, Entrepreneur Business Live on Wednesday. Make sure you're watching on, in, in the Entrepreneur Business Group on uh, Facebook. You can watch the live stream with me. I'll be watching here from the UK, uh, but San Francisco is go for part two on Wednesday, 6 p.m. local time. So thank you. See you later over on Instagram. See you later.